Well, thank you very much for having me here this evening. And um, happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are here. And uh, praise God for his goodness. And uh, tonight we're going to be looking at another Father's Day message. So you probably had one this morning. Uh, we didn't. That's all right. We had something different as well. So that was good. Uh, but tonight we're going to be looking at Father's Day message. And uh, fathers, the concept of Father's Day started uh, in the 1500s, but uh, really became commercialised and popular in America. Uh, a lady by the name of Sonora Smart Dodd uh, heard a message on Mother's Day. And uh, she said that uh, she would like to honour her father. Uh, he was a single father. He was a veteran of the Civil War. And uh, he was raising her and her five brothers. And uh, so she wanted uh, to have a, a day where sermons were uh, done to honour fathers. And so she petitioned for uh, a day uh, dad related with dad-related sermons. And she spoke to the uh, Alliance of Ministers in Washington and lobbied other churches, the local YMCA, storekeepers, and uh, the first... Father's Day was on June 19, 19, uh, 1910, and June 19 was her father's birthday. So there you go. And so uh, Father's Day has gone from there. We have it on the first week in September, first Sunday in September, and so we celebrate it today. And uh, I'm going to look briefly at an acrostic uh, using father. So... Uh, that's six points. If you know me, we may not get through it, but that's okay. All right. So, an acrostic on a godly father. A five-year-old would have an, a, diff, a different acrostic than the one I'm going to look at tonight. Uh, he might have fearless. What was that? Someone back there said shorter. Uh, shorter, yeah. Well, it might be tall, actually, the T. But anyway, uh, might be fearless, awesome. Terrific or tall, hero, encourager, and really cool. Uh, for a teenager, uh, it might be fearful or it uh, might be uh, annoying, tedious, heavy. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know whether that means around the waist or I don't know. Uh, usually when you have teenager, you're looking for comfort food, I think, but anyway. Uh, entertainer and restrictive. Uh, for the wife, it might be the fix-it man sometimes apathetic um, uh, I've got TV watcher I don't watch TV so it can't be me uh, handyman uh, if you're Pam Ayres she would say horizontal because that's what she called her husband uh, an exaggerator and romantic hopefully but anyway that's probably wishful thinking on my part but the thing is that <clears throat> a godly father is something that uh, we really need uh, in society and unfortunately, uh, in society today, we've done away with uh, the roles of men. And, and men, we need to step up. That's what we need to do uh, and uh, step up to that. And so for the F for Father, I've got faithful. We have a faithful God. Amen. And we need to uh, picture, uh, we need to uh, have a reflection of uh, faithfulness. If you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in the Word of God, 
First Corinthians chapter 1, we see that we have indeed a faithful God. Verse 4 it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him, in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful. Uh, and we need to be faithful. God is faithful. Uh, he will not let us down. He is a God that cannot lie. You know, we're told that in Titus chapter 1. We have a God that cannot lie. I'm talking about that this, afternoon, uh, this evening as I walked through the door. God that cannot lie. We're told in Hebrews, we have a God that cannot lie. What a blessing that that is. And uh, we need to emulate that in our daily lives to be faithful. Faithful uh, to our God, faithful to our church, and faithful to our families and to our children. God is faithful. We need to be relied upon. Uh, An illustration to this, uh, two girls were sitting down and one of the girls said, look, I've got ten coins. And she opened a hand and she had five coins in there. And a friend counted and said, no, you haven't. You've got five coins. He said, no, I've got ten. Now, look, you've got five. One, two, three, four, five. He said, no, no, my dad has promised that he's going to give me five coins. So I've got ten. You see, the promise of those coins was as if she already had them. The promise of God is if we already have that promise. God is faithful. Our God is faithful. And he will not let us down. At the dinner table, we've been reading through the book of Exodus and we've been looking at the supply of God in the wilderness, the manna. And uh, Hudson Taylor was talking about this and he said, Our Heavenly Father is a very experienced one. He knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect he will send three million missionaries to China, but if he did... He would have ample means to sustain them all. Depend on it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. God is faithful. God is faithful. And we need to have and we need to be faithful fathers, gentlemen. But you know, ladies, don't turn off because we need to be, you need to be faithful too. Young ones, you need to be faithful too. You need to be setting uh, an example of faithfulness. I praise God that uh, we have a man and a, and a lady here that have been faithful for 40 years. Wow. That's something for me to look to and be blessed by. You know, that's an encouragement, being faithful and, uh, and doing those things. Faithful to God, faithful to the church. Turn with me to Psalm 101 and verse 6. <clears throat> Uh, 
that's an issue. There's not a clock at the back of the church. <laughs> I better put that up. People say that means nothing anyway. It's not going to sit there. All right. Psalm 101 and verse 6. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. You see, those that are faithful, God watches over. Those that are faithful are going to serve God. Serve God. And uh, we need to give an example to our children as uh, faithful servants of God in whatever capacity God has got us to serve. We need to be faithful. Uh, we need to uh, serve in the local church because that is the place where God wants us to serve. We need to be faithful in our attending the church, uh, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together. We need to be faithful, faithful in all those things. You know those times when we don't feel like going? You know those times when we think, well, it's too cold or it's too hot? And uh, or I'm just not feeling up to it. They're the times to be faithful. They're the times to go. Amen. They're the ones where we show our true metal as being faithful to the Lord. Again, Hudson Taylor was to preach at Severn Street Schoolroom. His hostess assured him that nobody would attend on such a stormy night, but Taylor insisted on going. I must go, even if there is no one but the doorkeeper. Less than a dozen people showed up, but the meeting was marked with unusual spirit of power. Half of those present either became missionaries or gave their children as missionaries, and the rest were faithful supporters of the China Inland Mission for years to come. You see, he went, he was faithful. Who else was there? The faithful. The faithful. Setting an example for the children, setting an example for others around them. God is faithful. We need to be faithful. And God acknowledges those that are faithful. God acknowledged Moses in Hebrews. He was faithful. Abraham in Galatians. He was faithful. Timothy uh, was uh, told that he was faithful in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. The saints in Colossae were faithful saints what a blessing it is to to see people that are faithful they are the ones that are going to get well done they're good and faithful servant when god uh, talks to them and and uh, um has them come in uh, to glory and uh, be with him we need to be faithful you see we have been given gifts we have been given knowledge and uh, for those of that are, uh, that are blessed with wives, uh, husbands, children, uh, friends even, we need to be faithful uh, with them and faithful to them. And just like a steward, First uh, Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Let a man so account of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We need to be faithful men we need to be faithful women so that our children can see and you know what it might not be your children it might be others children to see you faithful in the Lord following the Lord and doing those things that God wants us to do the second point is that uh, 
Uh, Father needs to be adoring or have agape love, if you like. Uh, That is that self-sacrificial love, the love that God had for us. Turn with me to John chapter 2 and verse 15. Sorry, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. The word of God says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. <clears throat> I've read further than I wanted to, but that's okay. The thing is that the love of the Father, our God, is a, a God of love. And uh, he gave his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for us on the cross. We have an advocate, we're told in chapter 2 and uh, verse 1. We have uh, one who laid down his life, a propitiation for our sins. It was a sacrificial love. It's a love that uh, God has for us. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, we are told that God is a God of love. He is love. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. He that loveth uh, not knoweth not God, for God is love. God is love. He is a loving God. In verse 14, it goes on to tell us, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath for us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is, our, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. We need to uh, have that, that love that God had for us. Uh, Jesus Christ laid down his life in love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life but we need to demonstrate that love of God we need to demonstrate it's a a love that needs to be uh, first of all reciprocated we need to love God back Uh, we need to show that uh, that our our children that we do love God and we show our love for God by serving and doing things for God and we show our love uh, for God by obeying God. We, love, we show our love for him by doing his commandments and uh, living for him. And uh, we need to do that. We need to show that love. We love him because he first loved us needs to be something that is demonstrated in our lives and uh, show that love. But it also needs to uh, be demonstrated not just towards God but towards them. How do we love our children? How do we love our families? How do we love our wives? 
Well, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 to 25. <clears throat> Ladies are probably trembling. I'm going to read that verse that people get stuck on. But I think we need to hone in on uh, the verses uh, preceding uh, husbands. Uh, sorry, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. We need to focus on, on these verses of Scripture. Husbands, love your wives. It's a command of God. Verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 5. The word of God says, And be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and is the saviour of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be unto their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. God wants us to love our families. Husbands, love your wives. It's a commandment. You might say, and I've heard some, I heard a sermon one time, and the guy said, you need to love your wife. And he said, love her, I don't even like her. But the problem is that you might not like the things that your wife does, but we are commanded to love our wives. Love our wives, not just a little bit. But we need to love our wives like Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's a big ask. That's a very big ask. You know, I've heard somebody say before, the most important thing that you can do as a father for your children is to love their mother. Love their mother. Because it demonstrates to them a special love that is in the family. And that is then transposed onto them loving your children showing that love demonstrating that love there's a book called the five language uh, love languages i don't know whether uh, you've read it or whether you agree with it but we need to demonstrate that love sometimes it is and look different people show and express love in different ways and and one of those ways of showing love is is by giving small gifts it doesn't have to be big it might be just a single flower that you've picked from the garden and say, this is for you, showing your love. It, it might be that you spend quality time with, with people and uh, kids just need quality time. That's showing love. They need you to spend time with them. Uh, words of affirmation and encouragement, telling them that you love them is very, very important. Gentlemen, when was the last time you told your wives, I love you? When was the last time you told your children, I love you? We should do this often. We should do this on a regular basis. When do we encourage them in different things with words and the things that we say? Sometimes it might be just doing something for somebody. That's a way of showing love just by encouraging them by doing something and, and physical touch, just a, a hug. It doesn't have to be uh, <clears throat> with our kids. Uh, we've got some young ladies staying with us and it's a blessing. And I just 
and sometimes they just need a hug and it's just a side-on thing we just a bit of a, a squeeze sometimes they pull a funny face if we do it in public but that's okay they did that at youth group the other day that's all right I don't want to embarrass you too much so it goes back to that one doesn't it with the acronym we were tedious and yeah yeah bad jokes dad jokes anyway, yeah but the thing is that we need to demonstrate love love to our children love to our wives and sometimes it needs to be self-sacrificing we need to give up things so for the benefit of our family for the benefit of our children for the benefit of our wives sacrificial love third point how am I going told you I wouldn't make it we need to be trusting and trustworthy first thing is that we need to trust God in everything first of all for our salvation amen men we need to have a saving grace we have to have experienced the saving grace of Jesus Christ we need to have that we need to possess that you know there was a guy that we knew uh, years ago and uh, he would be driving around the city to pick up uh, hitchhikers all over the place, all over the country, and he would start witnessing to them. And one day a guy said to him, are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ is saved? He said, no. Nah. And yet he was witnessing. You know, we need to have, first of all, that faith in Jesus Christ so that we can then tell them by experience, our children, that we know the Lord and love the Lord. We need to be trusting. Uh, you know, we don't just trust the, our Saviour uh, in just... Our salvation, we need to trust our Saviour and everything. We need to walk by faith. We need to be walking by faith. You know, uh, David sang a song uh, in Second Samuel chapter 22. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the, rock, the God of my rock. In him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my Saviour. My, thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. We need to demonstrate trust in God in all things for our salvation. We need to pray for our children. You know, the Apostle Paul used to pray and he told the churches that he was praying for, I pray for you without ceasing. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Or I pray for this or I pray for that. The prayers of the Apostle Paul. We need to do that with our children. We need to demonstrate them to them that we trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not unto our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. Do you pray for, our, for your children? Do you pray with them? That's an important thing, praying with them. And pray in front of them. You see, they need to understand that there is a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. They need to see your trust in God and in Jesus Christ. They need to see that and see it often. It should be our first port of call, amen, prayer. It should be for the big things and for the little things. I've lost my keys, I've lost my wallet. The girls are laughing now. Uh, all right, pray for it. God, you know where they are. Please direct me to them. You know where I last put them. And, and uh, you know they'll be found underneath a piece of paper or under a shirt that had been thrown on top or something. It might be, you know, anything. 
But look, pray for the big things and the small in front of them. They need to know there's a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. We need to be public about our prayers with them. We need to be public. All right? And we need to be thankful to God when God answers the prayers in front of them. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We need to be thankful in front of them. That we recognize that, hey, God answered that prayer so that they see that. And we need to ask them for prayer for us too. You know, we got in the car today. I was a bit flustered. Got in the car and uh, I said, let's pray before we go. So we prayed. I'd had to run upstairs to get my coat and Helen said we'd already prayed. Praise God, amen, that uh, they'd already prayed for me. And it's a good thing. Uh, children, pray for your parents. All right? It might change your attitude towards them. Teenagers, be shocked. If you start praying for your parents, you might change, not them. Okay? All right? So pray and, and be in prayer. We need to be trusting and, and we need to be uh, trustworthy as well. Trusting in God. Uh, H, we need to be holy. God is a thrice holy God. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3, you know that passage of scripture when the uh, angel cried uh, one to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Uh, again, in the book of Revelation, uh, it talks about uh, <clears throat> in chapter 4 and verse 8, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and which is and is to come. We have a holy God. We have a holy God. And God wants us to be holy like he is holy. Uh, Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 77, he says, Sanctify yourselves therefore and be ye holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. First uh, Peter chapter 1 and verse 15, But as he which hath called you is holy... So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God wants us to, to live holy lives. He wants us to be an example in our conversation in front of our children. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, Paul says to Timothy, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. God wants us to be an example of holiness to our children. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. We need to be good examples. Four ministers were discussing the version of the Bible that they thought most appropriate to use in your church. Now, I just want to put a disclaimer here. I'm a King James man. Always will, have been, always will be. So I'm going to mention some other versions, but I don't... Okay, that's there. Good. All right, that's the disclaimer. Uh, these four gentlemen were standing together and he said, I only use the King James Version for accuracy and the beauty of its speech. Another said... I use the American Standard because it uses more up-to-date English and uh, it's accurate to his words, not mine. Uh, third uh, said, I use the paraphrased uh, version uh, because I've got a younger, younger congregation and they can understand it better. 
Again, his words, not mine. Uh, the fourth, the lady's answer, for some time in thought, and he said, I like my dad's translation best. He said, he put God's word into practice every day, every day. It was the most convincing translation I've ever seen. Kids want to know and want to see us living our lives for Jesus Christ. They want to see it needs to be, we need to be holy. We need to be living for Christ. Five. How are we going? I'm flying, I know. We need to be eternally minded. We have an eternal God. We, we have an eternal God. And uh, we are told that he is uh, an eternal God. In Deuteronomy 33 and verse 27, the eternal God is thy refuge. In Micah chapter 5, we are told that Jesus Christ came from eternity, from everlasting. Uh, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God is eternal. He's an eternal God. Eternal things matter. And a godly father will have an eternal focus. We need to have an eternal focus. Apparently there are three huge gates that lead to uh, the Cathedral of Milan. Uh, over one gate is an inscription of marble uh, that says, Things that, are, that please are temporary. Over the second gate there is a cross with this inscription, The things that disturb us are temporary. However, over the central gate, there is a big inscription saying, Eternal are the important ones. Eternal are the important ones. These things are important. God is an eternal God, and we need to start thinking eternally. eternally. We need to be showing our children that we're laying up uh, things in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt. We need to be eternal. Uh, in Washington... Uh, there were some graffiti from the 1800s discovered by workers renovating the Washington Monument. Uh, when they took away some facade, they found the subway. Uh, the, sorry, found the um, the uh, the graffiti, and it said, "Whoever is the human instrument under God in the conversion of one soul erects a monument to his own memory more lofty and enduring than this." Interesting, isn't it? One soul one soul the most important souls we have are our children we need to be witnessing to them and I uh, still burden for uh, my children that haven't come to Christ and uh, <clears throat> uh, still praying for them and uh, you know take the opportunities to witness to them when they're young take, a witness, take an opportunity to teach them while they're young uh, one guy we had witnessed to and he got saved and I said, have you been sharing the gospel with your kids? He said, no. I don't want to indoctrinate them. I want them to make their own decision. Well, you know what? If we're not giving them the scriptures and teaching them the scriptures, then the world's going to be indoctrinating them. Satan's going to be indoctrinating them with the worldly things. We need to teach them from an early age the things of God. The eternal things. They're the important things. They're the important things. 
one soul. What a blessing that would be uh, to have all our children saved. And some of us do here, and I praise God for that, for you and your example. Uh, but um, please pray for my my son and uh, for his salvation. We need to be praying for that. And finally, we need to be reverent. That's the R. The fear of the Lord. And you go through the Proverbs and look up fear, as mentioned many times. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. For that they hated knowledge in verse, uh, chapter 29, uh, sorry, verse 29 of chapter 1. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Uh, we can go on and, and, and look at that. And I thought about this reverence, and I thought about that fear of the Lord, and I, and I thought, you know, where did I learn my fear for the Lord, my reverence for God? And I thought about it, it's mum and dad. I grew up in an Anglican church, but I had a fear of God. I have a reverence for God. Because what would happen is when we went into the church service, we would sit down and they would sit down and then slip onto their knees on the little kneel pads that they used to have in the church behind the pews. They would do a little, say a little prayer before, they, before, they, before the service and they would sit quietly. They were reverent to God. And I think that really wore off on me. And uh, a blessing. They had, my mum used to play the, the organ and used to sing in the choir. And the way that she did it with passion was to show reverence to God and, and a true commitment to God in her music. She still does. And I praise God for those that that love music and love the Lord and want to pray and want to sing. You know what? Singing tonight, what a blessing to hear. You know, we are showing reverence to God when we're building out those hymns. Amen. A joy in wanting to praise God with our lips. True reverence. What a, what a blessing it was to hear. And uh, to see Bernie at the front building them out too what a what a glory it is you know uh standing next to john and i could hear him and bob was just behind me and i could hear him and you know praise god uh, and the ladies you know we need to be doing that and showing an example if we're sitting there and we've got the hymn book in front of us uh and, and we're just mumbling in our you know in our hymn books uh, and i know some people haven't got you know voices but look expression on your face the joy of the words, you know, that's showing true reverence to God, a true fear of God, a love for God, and we need to do that. You know, Isaiah chapter 33 and, and, and verse 6, relating to Hezekiah's reign, it says, And the wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Now that word treasure means treasure house, storehouse, something that we can store things up. So if we have fear of the Lord, God is going to bless us. You know, Hezekiah saw revival in his day. The, house, the doors of the house of the Lord were locked up and he 
opened them up. He got the the uh, Levites and the priests together and said, you know, we need to get this place back to ship shape and we need to get rid of all the rubbish. We need to cleanse it. He said, I want you to cleanse yourselves first and then I want you to clean out the house of the Lord and I want you to get things up and going again because he feared God. He feared God. You know, before his reign, it talks about his mum and his grandfather. And I just wonder that those two people had an influence on him in his life to be a godly, reverent, fearful man of God. I just wonder. We've seen a number of, of words that we've, we've seen about uh, fathers and, and, and any believer really being faithful uh, being adoring and, and loving, uh, being trusting, trusting in God for everything, being holy and living holy lives, having an eternal um, <clears throat> viewpoint and, and trusting in the eternal God and being reverent. Things that we need to put into practice in our lives, things that we need to have so that we can be um, <clears throat> a blessing to those around us godly characteristics let us pray loving god and heavenly father we do thank you and praise you uh, for today for tonight we thank you and praise you for your word and lord god and heavenly father we do pray that you would just undertake for us this day to put some of these things into practice in our lives lord all of them that we might be honoring to you and father we pray these things in jesus name amen